Welcome to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast, brought to you by DSW Ministries. Your host is singer, songwriter, speaker, and domestic violence advocate, Diana Winkler. She is passionate about helping survivors in the church heal from domestic violence and abuse and trauma. This podcast is not a substitute for professional counseling or qualified medical help. Now, here is Diana. Hello, great to see everybody back. We had a wonderful time last week with Will Hess from The Church Split, and we're going to continue that conversation today. Last week, we talked a lot about his growing up in the Independent Fundamental Baptist Church and the abuse that he suffered not only in his home life, but also in the church. If you haven't listened to part one of this interview, please go back and listen to it. It is a lot of fun. We laughed so hard. (laughs) Probably going to laugh some more. I think part two, we're going to talk more about doctrinal issues and spiritual abuse and how to avoid that kind of thing, misinterpreting scripture and getting caught up into a cult-like environment. So, So please enjoy part two of my conversation with Will Hess. So what happened was my wife was an off-campus student and I was an on-campus student and we never saw each other because she was like two years ahead of me. She was about to graduate. So what we do is we do the, the, uh, the cardinal sin of meeting up uh, off-campus. And uh, we were really good at hiding it for a while, but I, be- I became sloppier and sloppier and stopped caring. And it was kind of a taunt for me, I guess, at this point. I was just playing games. I knew uh, what I was doing. And my buddy Andrew always gives me crap because he's like, Will, you got caught. How do you get caught? You know, and it was like, I could easily, I mean, I couldn't, I could have easily not. I just stopped caring because I was wearing my, uh, at this point, my quote unquote rebellion as a badge of honor because I wanted to challenge the system. So Mm -hmm. what ended up happening was I was in class and I got pulled out. The dean of students came in, he pulled me out. And he was, he asked me, he's like, how long have you been uh, dating Miss Brink? And I was like, mm, I don't know, probably about three months. And he's like, okay. And uh, what have you, what all kind of activities have you guys been engaging in? And I was like, I don't know, hanging out, talking. He's like, Mr. Hess, have you been going off campus? And he starts screaming. This guy's like a 350 pound, 400 pound, six something guy and he stands up behind the desk and starts shouting at me you're really a small guy yeah yeah right? I, yeah well i mean i'm six foot and now i'm about 205 because yeah I'm but a little, yeah yeah i'm a small but you're guy. not you're not a big guy yeah oh no i'm i'm, a, I'm skinny look at me um <laughs> and uh but yeah I'm, I, I'm yeah i'm not a i'm not a big guy but here's the thing is if you know my abusive background and the amount of times I've literally had to fight for my own preservation or my brothers or my sisters. We have literally bled for each other. As soon as he started screaming at me, a switch went off. Just, okay, that's it. Mm-hmm. It's showtime, baby. And I went back into my fight mode and I, was, and I just looked up dead in the eyes like, you will not scream at me like I'm a petulant child. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk to me like a man, I am a man. So you're going to sit your butt down and you talk to me like a man. You ask me straightforward questions like a man, and I will actually be honest with you and tell you what's been going on. And yes. he looked at me like I just said, I was crazy because I challenged, how dare I challenge his authority? So he sat down and he's like, Mr. Hess, have you been 
meeting uh, Miss Brink off campus. I was like, yep. <laughs> and I was like, that's what we've been doing. And, and I told him, I was like, yeah, we go to Starbucks. We've been to McDonald's and uh, <laughs> yes. um, we just date and I'm not ashamed of it. And he's like, well, does your, does your father know about this? Because uh, I've got to call your father. I was like, oh, please call him right now. I shouted out my dad's number. I was like, please call him right now. He's like, is your, what? Your dad doesn't have a problem with it? Is he not a Christian? And so suddenly my dad's Christianity, now my dad's not perfect. And I know I talk about my abuse um, a lot, but my dad and I actually have a good relationship. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I don't hate my father. Um, he has admitted his wrongs. It's fine. Uh, mm -hmm. But I just smiled like my dad will laugh. He just like, no, I'm glad my son's being a man and taking, it, taking his girlfriend out. That's what I'd expect from him to take care of someone he cares about. That's good. Yeah. And this frustrated the dean of students further. And uh, so then he goes, uh, and again, I'm like 22. So you're talking to a guy in his 20s and be like, I'm going to call your dad. I'm like, okay. Not 16. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I, I am not 12, sir. And that's what they do at Bible, these Bible colleges. They'll treat their adult students like their children. And then they wonder why they had such a failure to launch syndrome by all their students. It's because none of them have learned how to be an adult. But what ended up happening is that he goes, have you had sexual relations with her? And I was like, no, sir, I have not. And I'll be honest here. Also, it is no one's business. That was my other thought. I'm like, even if we had, True. which it's, you're the dean of students. You're not my pastor. You've been, uh, yeah, I've been walking around with a target on my head this whole time from you. Uh, it, this really isn't your business, what's going on between me and her. And you're not her parents or her family or at all. You get it. Like it's not or her pastor. Nobody. Yes. This is not your place. And so I, and I, and I was being honest. I was like, no, we have not. And he goes, and he kept asking over and over again, have you had sexual relations with Miss Brink? No, sir. I have not. Have you any that I was like, are you going to yell at me again? Cause I'm not playing that game with you. I'll walk right out of your office. And he's like, well, he's like, then you can go out and pack your bags. And I was like, I'll gladly do it. And then, at, so at this point, he realized I don't care. So he had to shift tactics. <laughs> um, then what ended up happening was he kept asking, kept asking, kept asking, kept asking, kept asking. And I finally snapped. I was like, you know what? Yeah, we go to the Golden Globe Club, which is a, a local club. I was like, we, go, we dance all night. We get hammered and sloshed. We go to the nastiest hotel here, pay by the hour, have the nastiest sex and make a porn star blush. And, and uh <laughs> like i just reverse psychology <laughs> and and uh the look on his face and then especially because uh there was a lady there that was like a single ifb super like lady that was taking notes because she had to be like the note taker <laughs> and the look on her face was priceless i would it was worth everything just for that face and he goes mr s i don't appreciate your attitude and i said i don't appreciate you not taking an honest answer so if you want a story i'm at least giving you a good one mm-hmm and uh, <laughs> so anyway, what he ended up doing is he ended up with what they call socialing us, which means that we, me and my wife cannot be in contact anymore. Um, so, but I also know my legal rights that they can't take away my phone and they can't legally check my phone. So I started communicating with my wife anyway. And uh, they told us in this meeting that, well, they told me in this meeting, they also told her in her meeting because they had the Dean of Women dealing with her and the Dean of Men dealing with me. They told us in this meet, uh, meeting that we shouldn't, we're not supposed to be together anyway. And that was their jab at the interracial marriage thing. Um, but then they told, but then they called my in-laws 
uh, and they called and they are a very conservative IFB family. And they said, yeah, she's been hanging around this bad boy in the school and we can no longer guarantee your daughter's purity. What? Yeah, as if it was their responsibility to keep my wife's sexual purity. Also, you're speaking for her. And what this did is this spent, this sent uh, us for years of just spiraling with her parents because they could, they didn't like me, they didn't trust me, they never asked, followed up with her daughter, got the story, they never asked me. They asked me to just break up with her, uh, not communicate. And if we feel the same way for after six months, they pay for the wedding. Um, because I could, then we'll know us of God. And I basically told him to get lost because I'm not breaking up with anybody over gossip hearsay. And just because some guy at a college thought we shouldn't. And then they ended up disowning her for about a year. And then I met my father-in-law the day before we got married, he flew out here and then he wanted to give us his blessing. And now he was funny. I, I think he kind of sees some of the silliness now. Cause I'm, uh, him and I have a great relationship now. I really love my father-in-law, but it set things off on a wrong foot. And that's what legalism and authoritarianism does. And I, why I stayed in, I don't know. But like I said, I think I felt more at home having something to fight because I felt always like that's what my life was, was just fighting. So that's what I do. I fight. And, uh, you know, whether for the best or for the worst, that's what it was. So that's the story about my wife and I dating in Bible college. It was insanity. And you're happily <laughs> married now with a baby. Been married for eight years. Got a beautiful daughter, Eliana, and I wouldn't change it for the world. My wife is literally the nicest person. I say this all the time. We've been married for eight years and we've never had a fight. Like Me too. My husband and I have never had a fight. Check that out. It can happen. It, yeah. And no one believes me. I'm like, no, of course my I wife will sometimes, you. some people will, uh, like my wife will get annoyed with me from time to time. Like being annoyed isn't That's fighting. not a fight. Yeah. Because you um, and I both came from an abusive background, so it's like, okay, I know what a fight is. You want to yes. fight, I'll give it to you. But we've taken so long to find each other that, you know, we we want to cherish the time that we have together. It's like, okay, Absolutely. let's decide what, you know, what we're going to disagree on. We can talk about it like adults. Yep, and that's exactly what it is. And if she's frustrated at the time, she'll just be like, I just need a process and I'll talk to you about it later. And yeah. I, okay. And she'll just be quiet. She might do her little thing. Um, and, you know, for me, it's just, you know, the same thing and where it's, I told her that I refuse to ever yell at her, scream at her, berate her, berate her. Yep, my wife is my wife. She is my partner. She is uh, my best friend and she deserves to be treated with dignity and respect and love from her husband. Mm. And I've seen it go the wrong way. So that's the whole point. And you know what's funny is that my wife treats me like I'm the king of the earth. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, and it's a, it creates a healthy marriage, but you have to have that value with each other. Um, yes. And, you know, we do, and we make it work. Uh, we're both extremely busy and we still find time with each other all the time. Uh, and it's because we, we're, we're intentional. We, we actually like each other. So we try to, yes. we always find a way to spend time with each other. Uh, yeah. So yeah. That was a that was a good time. So I that didn't was, know that. So we have something else in common. That's so fun. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I did not know. You're the first person I've talked to ever that says the same thing. And um, my buddy Brian, uh, my co-host, is like, I think you guys just define fight differently because Will, mm -hmm. you've seen some crazy stuff. So you just defined it differently. You guys have had to have fought. I was like, just because plates didn't get thrown and pots weren't smashed does not mean. I was like, no, we literally don't fight. Like, no, my we wife don't. has been. 
We don't argue, like we don't raise we don't raise our voice unless the house is on fire. (laughs) Which case Um, you have reason. We don't call each other names. We don't, you know, take low low shots to the belt. Um, Mm -hmm. We we talk about the actual issue at hand. We're not passive aggressive. When my husband asks me what's wrong, I tell him what's wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not well. I'm going to make him suffer and make him guess what's wrong. It's you know, I'll tell them what's wrong and let's talk about it. Yep. It's, you know, it's, it's not that hard, but people don't believe me either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe you. I'm glad we're on the same boat. Uh, and it's not the fact that your mar- our marriages are perfect. And I think people get the wrong impression with that. So no, we, we deal with the disagreements in a healthy way. Yeah. Even with the pandemic, we got on each other's nerves and we've, we've had to have talks about, okay, you know, you can't use all the glasses and leave them in the sink, that kind of stuff. You know, the pandemic, we're stuck with each other for 24 seven. And even then we got along great. Yeah. You know? It just, yeah, it just means you adjust course. So I think that's, I, that's great. And it's awesome. And I would never change it for the world. And I think it's Me just either. because when you come from that background, you don't want to bring that back into your home. Nope. And that's my thing. I'm like, I will, my home, my daughter will not know her parents as fighters. She will know them as people who love one another. And Callie will tell you that her family, her parents didn't fight either. They got, they have a, had a wonderful marriage until her mom passed away. Um, but it was an incredible, they had an incredible marriage. I'm like, well, and she looked up to that. And that's what I wanted mm-hmm. my daughter to do. I want my daughter to go, I saw a healthy marriage. I didn't see an unhealthy one where they hated each other, but tolerated each other because they couldn't live without each other. Um, so anyway, yes. So that was my, uh, final nail in the coffin with me and the IFB church was leaving that though. It's funny as I went back to my home church for a while, but I ended up leaving that church, uh, soon after I got there. Cause I just, those were my friends. Um, then I went to a contemporary church for a while. And then I ended up being a youth pastor at an independent church, independent fundamental Baptist church. But uh, I had talked to the pastor beforehand and he was, you know, he was like, oh, we're not that way. No, we don't do that. We don't do that. And he was right. They didn't. They only just tried to do a sexual abuse cover up when I was there. And I got to be the whistleblower on that. So that was fun. So that was the absolute nail in the coffin for me. So I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm done. Anyone who's like a King James only is independent, fundamental, I do not care. So I did a pastoring uh just an independent Baptist church. It wasn't independent fundamental. This considers us independent Baptist, a small country church. And that's what I did for six years. And it was a much better experience. We went through church splits because we'd have people show up who were expected an IFB church and it wasn't. And then that caused conflict. But mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway, that's, that was that. Um, so when did you decide to start the church split? That was after I had experienced... Um, some terrible division in the church. So, because transitioning out of the IFB was hard. When we were first married, and I, I, I skipped over this, transitioning out was tough because I knew I disagreed, but I didn't have a strong argument against it. And I realized I needed to be armed to the teeth to be able to fight against the bombastic responses because it's like a cult. As soon as you try to leave, they all try to slander you. So I started researching topic by topic by topic. And one of the biggest things I can say, if you are a survivor of abuse, one of the things that helped me, and I think it depends on your brain, uh, different people need different things. So you might need empathy and a hug and just love and care and somebody to listen to you vent. And that might be your healing process. For me, it was, I had to make right what was wrong. 
I had to make sense of the chaos. I had to bring order to that chaos. Mm. So what I did is I systematically went through the issues, breaking down each one by bit. All right, is this what the Bible really says? What does the Bible actually say about this topic? All right, let me actually look at this within the context of the text and see if this says what they've been meaning it to say. And that's why I just realized that the appearance of evil, that was only King James only translation. And it wasn't even talking about the King James only translators didn't even mean it as appearance as in perception from others, because the Bible makes clear that it's not about perception of man, but about obeying God. So mm-hmm. that's what kept confusing me too. And then I realized when it talked about appearance, it meant like when literally the appearance, when evil appears, like abstaining from the appearance of pornography, essentially, when it, when a pornography would appear itself, run away. Well, same concept here. When evil appears, abstain from the appearance of evil. Or abs- and that's why all other translations say avoid every form of evil because it's the same concept. And I started just picking this apart. So once I transitioned out of that, then I passed through this church. Uh, I started the church split after I'd experienced a, uh, um, a church split because of politics. We had a major politics issue where people were vying for power and control freaks. Everyone wanted to be in charge and they wanted to make me the puppet. Mm. And so this was different for me because I'd always experienced pastoral authoritarianism in my background. And now I was experiencing a different type of thing where they were trying to manipulate me as the pastor to their will. And so I started, so at this point, I I was not used to seeing toxicity and manipulation within the congregants toward the pastor. It was a very thing, weird thing that I hadn't experienced yet. Mm-hmm. And so what, what it was, was about, um, some of it was about King James only as we had a few King James only as still in the church, but most of it was about, uh, power in the church. People not liking the way I was running things. Some people didn't like the fact that I even moved when we, when we prayed apparently in service, but one of the big ones was alcohol. They didn't like my stance on alcohol. Well, as I had mentioned, I studied through all these different issues with a completely open mind. Because once you go, so one of the biggest problems that people leave uh, like a fundamentalist cult is they'll throw out the baby with the bathwater. They throw the Bible out entirely. They get on what I call atheist cliches or the atheist bumper stickers and mention the typical things that they try to say are contradicts in the Bible when they're not or ripping things out of context when they don't because they've, they've deconstructed so much that they threw the baby out of the bathwater instead of realizing that maybe you were taught by a false teacher and you just need to set right what was wrong. So one of the big ones was alcohol. That was one of the first things that broke me was when I realized that the Bible spoke against drunkenness as in being a drunkard, not about imbibing. Because I was always taught that, uh, you know, the wine that Jesus and others drank was new wine. So it was non-alcoholic. Until I studied the Greek and realized that and contextually it didn't hold up, that it definitely was alcoholic wine and that everything in the scripture was always talking about uh Alcoholism. Another a great example is, is one of my favorite ones that people bring up is Proverbs 20, verse 1, when it says, uh, he who is deceived, uh, who is deceived thereby is not wise. When it comes to drinking, who who drinks of the strong drink is uh, right. deceived thereby is not wise. Deceived is the as the Hebrew word shagah. Shagah simply means to be led away into intoxication. And so when I started putting these things together, it really changed. So when I interviewed for the church, I filled out my position on what alcohol was because that was one of the questions in the 17-page doctoral thesis. They voted me in. But apparently, I was literally told by a guy, he didn't read it. And yeah, he had a fit. Oh, what do you got there? The double curse of booze? And what is the other one? I can't read it. Um, liquid devil. Oh, my goodness. This is uh, Sword of the Lord Publishers, by the way. So I dug these out. Oh, naturally. Today. 
Oh man, and you still have them. Look at you. Oh yeah, I've got a stack of stuff here in front of me, but I also have um um this is from Samuel Bacciochi, Wine in the Bible. And I thought oh, this man. was pretty good. I was like, you know, I went and fell for the same stuff. Mm-hmm. For the alcohol. I um I think I told you you're the first person that I've heard that had an intelligent discussion about alcohol because I don't drink at all. I don't even when I was was not in the IFB, I was you know, all my friends in high school they all they all drank beer and smoked pot, but I didn't do any of that stuff. I didn't want it. Um I didn't like the taste of it and like what it did to people. So I never drank. I I still don't drink. That is the choice that I made separate from the religion. Mm-hmm. But when I got into, you know, got into IFB, it was like they started throwing all these verses at me. And that just kind of reinforced my my stance that I already had. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, I was out there with my Christian friends who weren't IFB, who were drinking. And, and I'm telling them to get right with God because we went out to dinner and had they had you know a glass of wine or beer and i was the only one that didn't have it and i kind of ostracized myself because they were like what is your problem (laughs) and um yeah sorry rick if you're (laughs) he's probably not watching because we're not friends anymore but yeah what i appreciate so much about your your podcast is is that you go through stuff like this yeah and with the alcohol and i still don't drink i'm not going to choose to drink but my my husband, he drinks socially, like when we went to France. Of course, that's part of the culture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I told my husband when we got married, I said, um, I don't want it in the house. And this is a dry house. That's just, we talked about that before we got married. But I don't have a problem if you want to have a glass of wine New Year's Eve, or you want to have a glass of wine at a wedding, or you want... You know, we were in France and he wanted to try the beer. He wanted to try some of the some of the wine. And that's that's part of French culture. I didn't have any problem with that. So I've changed quite a bit <laughs> because of because of watching your show and, and stuff. It's like, well, and that was and that was what the point of the church split was, was have these unifying conversations. But then to walk, one of the biggest things I noticed that people a lot of times just have, they proof text, they proof text. Yeah. So here's my position. Here are my verses. Oh, here's my position. Here are my verses. Then very few people tend to just walk through both ends of it. Like, so that's why I did my episode one debut episode of the church split when I was recording it in my living room. I, uh, that I walked through it. I was like, all right, here are the controversial texts. Let's walk through them and see what the text is really saying. And so I, and that's my, cause I'm linear logic. So I need it laid out before me before I can believe it. Same. And I think a lot of people think that way. So that's why we started the church split. Now we've done other things, you know, gone on to rebuttals and we've done other things in history and uh, all that, you know, but I, that's the goal. The goal is to, we literally say at the beginning of our episodes now, you know, welcome to the church split where we help you st- uh, escape your church's echo chamber, learn to think biblically, and possibly even challenge the status quo. Because that's, we, you look back at church history and you see people who challenge it all the time just for the sake of truth. And we, uh, I think sometimes we get comfortable in our little churches and we forget the fact that there's this whole realm of Christianity that we haven't studied. And we should look into these things before we create a giant hard stance on something. So 
Yeah, that's that was a big reason why I did it. <laughs> and I'm glad it was helpful for you. Oh, you have to know what this book is. Things that are, oh my goodness, things that are different are not the same. I've had that forever. And um, I held yeah, on God. forever to King James onlyism. Same. It took a long time for me to look at another Bible, but I wasn't, you know, when I got saved and somebody gave me a Bible, it was not a King James. It was a living Bible paraphrase. Is that funny hmm. or what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I had that because, and I had to hide it from my mother. Yeah, it was a paraphrase, but I could understand it. And I really liked it. And I was highlighting it and I was just hungry for the God's word. And then, you know, because I, I wasn't allowed to go to a, a Christian church. I was only allowed to go to the Catholic church and they didn't use the Bible. And so I was constantly just reading the Bible. And when I turned 18 and I was allowed to choose whatever church I wanted, I went to my cousin's church and they saw me with the living Bible. <laughs> my cousin's like, get that, get that bull. Uh, get that heresy get, out get of here. Her. I mean, you know, that's way on the left side. Okay. <laughs> that's like, that's not even oh, yeah. a literal translation. It's allegorical. And I'm like, well, I like that Bible. They're like, well, this is a real Bible. And they handed me, you know, one of those $5 gift Bibles, mm -hmm. the King James Bible. And they're like, this is the real word of God. What you had over there isn't real. And I'm like, but I don't understand the King James. I don't like the, you know, old I English. I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Yeah, yeah. But they, you know, made it clear that that's, that's the Bible that you, that you use. So, yeah, I got used to it. I went through Bible college with the King James, and I memorized all my verses that way. I still think it's a great, a great version, but I, I use the ESV right now. I primarily um, use the ESV on the channel as well. Sometimes I'll do the CSB or HCSB. I, yeah. I have just discovered so many things that I never noticed in the King James just because of the language. Yep. It's like, or stuff that you'd skip over because you don't understand it. And yeah, I was taught how to study the Bible, but I fell for all this stuff with the king james onlyism until you did your series on king james only and i'm i cannot recommend it highly enough if you you know the listeners have come from a, a background like we have that oh this is the only bible you can read you know my stance now is what's important is get in the bible and start reading it okay <laughs> get in there and read it god will god will guide you and tell you mm -hmm. what he wants you to learn and you Holy start interacting Spirit. with it and you'll, it, you'll start connecting the dots. Yes. If you don't and, understand it, you're not going to read it. Yep. <laughs> and that's why I did the King James only series. Cause I was a hard King James only as for a long time. I was like, this is the one word of God. You know, I, I shifted my position on everything, but I was like, but you don't mess with the King James because that's the word of God until I had it challenged a little bit. And I realized I was like, you know what? I don't have, I like all the other stuff. I can spout off information and just school anyone in a debate on my positions. But I can't do that yet with the King James only. And I was like, this kind of, it kind of makes it like a weird faith position. So I'm going to dig in. And the more I dug and the more I picked at it, the more it fell apart beneath me. Uh, and that's the thing is being intellectually honest, you have to be prepared for that. And it was scary at first because I was like, oh, everything I believed was a lie. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, the revisionist history, the IFB and other groups do this. They revise history and they create their own false history. And 
So that's why I decided to do the series. It's an ongoing series. I'm going to continue to mm -hmm. add to my King James only series. And until one day it's going to be like 50 videos long. And it's just because I want to refute everything I see and have heard about King James only just sometimes I have to hop off that train because it's exhausting. Um, King James only can be very intense. So every time I put one out, I end up having to like argue with, I have, I've, I get flooded with hate and I'm just like, okay, don't want to deal with that. I'm going to do some other stuff and then I'll go back and do that. Not because I'm, I, if anyone knows me, I don't really mind the arguments. It's just, that's too much of too many emails and comments to deal with at one time. So anyway, uh, I really glad that that was helpful for you because that was the goal. Uh, I needed that at some point for someone to lay me, lay it out for me. So again, I try to lay it out for others in a thorough way. And unfortunately, the King James Onlyism has been so twisted and bent out and gotten out of control that it, it deserves a long response to it in comparison to any other videos I've done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was never a Ruckmanite. I was never that extreme. But, you know, there were some things like, you know, every jot and every tittle and the, the Westcott and Horror, the Alexandrian text is, is evil. And they venerated the translators like they were almost godlike like oh yep. they can't make any errors and they were geniuses and and it's like you know i fell for all that stuff for a long time mm, same so, and uh you know one of the things that you mentioned with like the alexandrian text what i didn't realize is that those were the absolutely oldest texts within very short time period closer to the first century than anything else and if we say that they're corrupt and they're wrong then we throw away our oldest most historical records closest to the source so we're throwing away the foundation by which we can trace back the lineage of manuscripts and say that we have faithful translations be we have faithful and uh so yeah i mean it, and then when the king james only translators and their uh letters to the a letter to the readers um their their own statement said that they believe that there should always regularly be retranslated in the common tongue and that this is not the end-all be-all so I found that the whole thing to be uh, very interesting. And the, so many people fall into it that I, I say this all the time. I, I have uh, two boys living in my house right now who are kicked out of their, one was kicked out of his church and his home. The other yeah. one was kicked out of just his church because they're not King James onlyists. Uh, they changed their position on it. And it's like, we have now gotten to the point where the King James Bible, that translation is up there with denying the deity of Christ. Because yes. the only time in a church would you see that kind of thing where it's like, you, we have to send you out because you're a heretic, would be if somebody denied the deity of Jesus Christ. Yeah, so um, they're making the Bible to be a God. Yep, as opposed to the word of God for instruction and reproof. It has become up there with the deity. I always say that the King James is the fourth member of the Trinity. <laughs> did you watch uh, or did you listen to that episode with... Um... Oh, what's his name? Um, Mary, did you know on RFP? Oh, yes, I did. Yep. And he said that Jesus is the word of God. And that just floored me. That was so awesome. I was like, the I light mean, bulb went on. I was like, yeah. yes, the word is God. The word was with God. It was Jesus is the word of God embodied. So, yeah, when Mark Lowry said that, I was like, oh, that's really, that's John 1, right? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that's who he is. So when we idolize a particular translation, 
of the word of God. And one of the things that drives people crazy in, uh, in the IFB uh, who are King James onlyist is when you say, well, there's, it's a translation, no translation is perfect. And then they about lose their mind. So you're saying there's no perfect word of God and we can't know the word of God. I'm like, those aren't the same thing. Saying that there's no perfect translation is not saying we can't know the word of God. And it's not saying that you can't do some due diligence and figure out exactly what that means. You have to do that in the King James all the time anyway, right? You have to read a verse. What does this verse actually mean within mm -hmm. its context? Well, you do the same thing where you go, oh, what what this verse means and why that verse seems like it's not in here. What people don't realize all the time with the King James only is, is they always compare what verses were removed, but they never once consider the fact that what if the King James added them? Uh, because it, and because in the Texas Receptus, which is the text that the King James was translated from, it was compiled from about ten texts that were of what we call the majority text tradition, which are the which are later texts. So they're newer texts, uh, historically speaking. And what we know scribally is over time of, of copying, people have a tendency to do what we call harmonized texts, which means that. If you have read, read, if you've written the synoptic gospels, right, and you've copied these things down now, well, I've done Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, once you get to that part and you're copying and you get to a part that's familiar that one of the other gospels hit, you might very well just finish the sentence by memory. Mm -hmm. Even if the text that you're translated from maybe Luke doesn't have that phrase, but Mark did, you just harmonize it. And it's not saying that that somehow is evil and destructive. It's like, no, that's just what happens when you copy these things. And then people go, well, how do you know that these copies are accurate then? It's like, because when we found something like the Dead Sea Scrolls, which are yes. ancient and I've old. seen them. Yeah. Yes. They're in, it's incredible. And how they are like spot on with the text that we have preserved. Mm -hmm. yes. And so it just shows how reliable it is. And yeah, somebody might remove a letter here. They might remove a word here. They might add a phrase here, but that doesn't change the meaning of the text. And especially when you have what, over 3,500 Greek manuscripts alone to, to, to compare to. Right. Uh, so anyway, I'm not, that's all, I'm, I'll geek on this for a while, but Oh, yes. So I went and bought these yeah. after I saw your series and then the our, uh, Recovering Fundamentals podcast did, you know, they had Mark uh, Ward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mark Ward. And so... Um... Yeah, and the King James <laughs> Only controversy. Uh, so funny, uh, the King James Only controversy, I have a copy upstairs and I have the boys reading on that. I was like, here, you, I know you guys have changed your position, but this book will really help you. Yeah, so uh, highly recommend those Yes, books. some people don't like James White, but I say this all the time, whether you like James White or whether you don't, his textual uh, series is incredible. And uh, Mark Ward has, off, he reached out and he want after, he's got a PhD and I yeah. felt so flattered when he was like, your King James Only series was awesome and I'd love to come on the channel. And I was like, I'm like, oh, I passed the test. Okay. That's Woo. a huge compliment. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was floored. And then uh, I actually have reached out to James White and he's willing to come on the channel as well. So, wow. I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Uh, he's hard to nail down on time. So that's been the hardest thing for us, but we're trying, we're going to make it happen. Oh, uh, that is going to be so awesome. Yeah. So but, I, uh, it's awesome. It's a good time. I did warn them ahead of time we were going to be super geeky anyway, but what I want the listeners to get from, from your interview is 
Now, how can we guard ourselves from being brainwashed into false doctrines and, you know, legalism, you know, not everybody studied Greek and Hebrew. So, I mean, how can we read and study the Bible the way it was meant to be to avoid falling into these traps? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, that's a great question. And it's a, it's a daunting one and it's a loaded one. And I'm not sure if I could give a perfect answer for it. But there's a few things that I can definitely, I think, that are helpful, uh, at least while navigating that. So one is how can we guard ourselves from being brainwashed into false doctrines? One, never turn off your brain. Be the Bereans. The Bereans compared everything with the scriptures and see if what they say actually lines up. Uh, One person I heard recently was defending sexual abuse cover-ups because uh, in the King James it says, be simple to evil. And that's not what that verse means at all if you read it in context. So understand that. Be willing to challenge that. And then how do you spot legalism? Uh, One of the biggest things that people get mad about is when you say legalism. And if they are a legalist and they're trying to defend their legalism, they'll use one of the other definitions. There's two definitions of legalism. One is work-based salvation, right? So I can get there. I can get to heaven as long as I work hard enough. And that is the theological technical definition of legalism but there's also a second definition of legalism that is used for ecclesiology like in the church which is um extreme adherence to a code or conduct here's the biggest thing to a spot legalism if what they and this is real simple if what they say it cannot be backed up in scripture it's not held for the church you're not held accountable to it as legalism I say all the time that God says what he means and he means what he says. And the IFP says regularly that God is not the author of confusion. Well, we act like the Bible isn't sufficient enough to define what sin is. When God is very clear on what sin is, you know, don't steal, don't murder, don't lie, be honest, be loving, don't be hard to one another, don't be bitter, don't be hateful. These are things that are clear, obvious sins that God has distinctly said. He never said anything about TV or sci-fi. You know, that's <laughs> like, what? Thank you, Will. <laughs> I got you. I got you. In fact, there's some weird stories in the Bible. I'm just saying there's like talking vines and trees in one part, like Zechariah. Like, I don't know. It sounds like a part of her Lord of the Rings. But yeah, they got the angels and the giants, you know. Yeah. In Genesis. So, hey. <laughs> exactly. So, and and when the, you know, they're, you, oh, well, you have to dress with these particular dress standards. You have to wear a suit and a tie. These things are not things that God laid out. So don't let them control you and don't let them control your church. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I think that's one of the biggest things is if you don't have a chapter and verse, you don't, you have got nothing. I know someone, uh, when I said the whole sci-fi thing, I, uh, the standard legalistic uh, response would be something to the effect of like, well, God never said anything about pornography either. And of course, my response is like, yeah, he did. Yes, he said he did. to look upon a woman with lust is to commit adultery in your heart already. Yep. That's the, the principle is uh, still applies. You know, and, and so these things are, you know, those, that's obviously a category error. And so learning to just, just be able to pull yourself back and go, okay, is this something God said, or is this somebody, is this a preference or an opinion? And I think when you start going from objective moral commands from God, because that's objective morality, then there's your opinion. And then there's an opinion of other people. And I'm not saying opinions are bad, but opinions should never take precedence over scripture and they should never take precedence within your church. 
Uh, and I think that's a big thing. So, um, and then the other thing is not everyone has studied Greek and Hebrew. So what advice would you give listeners who have been subjected to spiritual abuse? Spiritual abuse, of course, is abusing scriptures and God's word. So here's the thing. You don't have to be a Greek or Hebrew expert. You don't have to. I uh, will say this. I am way more familiar with Greek than I am Hebrew. Uh, luckily for me, I have Hebrew friends that are Jewish that help me a lot when it comes to Hebrew. Um, but here's the thing. You don't need to know all that to be able to figure out basic definitions. You know, we have concord interlinears all the time. Now, be careful with that, too, because other people try to twist the interlinears because now that they can read an interlinear, they think they can figure it all out because, well, there's an alternate definition. So this the alternate definition has been mistranslated all these years. That's been uh, a big thing that's come up recently with some uh, hot button topics that we have dealt with on our channel. So what advice would you give listeners who have been subjected to spiritual abuse um, or any other kind of abuse in the church is I would say, go back first off to the orthodoxy. What did early church fathers think? What did they say about these topics? What did the ancient Jewish rabbis say about these topics? Because if truth is true, it should have been taught consistently. Now, that's not to say that some of the early church fathers didn't have disagreements or some of the rabbis. I mean, the whole Talmud is literally rabbis arguing <laughs> over the centuries. Right. Uh, but the thing is, is that there are certain consensus, like there's a bit of consensus on certain topics. So first see what they say about those things. You know, and obviously, so I always go scripture, ancient teachings, and then I will start formulating an opinion around that. Now, if ancient teachings seem to go in direct opposition to the text, because sometimes you'll run into that, an early person that it, when I tried to go against it, but then usually that's already been called out by others as not consistent with the text. So, um, and my biggest thing is try to always get into the cultural context of what that's being said. So always ask who, what, when, where, and why. Who's speaking? Who's it to? When was it? Where was it? Why was it? And once you do that, you will actually, you don't need to know Greek or Hebrew to understand scriptures. It really starts clicking. Now, mm -hmm. some of the things are a little weird, like uh, in the New Testament, there's a lot of first century context that makes sense of a lot of stuff. Um, and so, you know, you might want to study some Roman history, some ancient Jewish history, some first century Jewish history, and really just kind of get a good idea of what's the lay of the land and why are these things issues in Acts chapter 15 and these other odd duckling spots in scripture. But I mean, that's, and that's the thing is there's a reason why the Bible says study to show yourself approved unto God and, a, you know, workman that needs not to be ashamed of rightly dividing or rightly handling the word of truth is because it takes effort. So if you come across a confusing spot, don't instantly think it's the end of the world. Just go, oh, that's cool. And actually be excited. I get excited when I find weird, difficult things to interpret because it means that I'm now digging. Yeah. I am now, you know, that's, it's exciting. That's fun. Oh, it's, yeah, like, oh, what does that really mean? Let's interact with it. What have people thought throughout history? Oh, it's really cool. This person said this, this person said that. Obviously, the medium position is here, but these are cool ways to interact with this information. Um, and so it should be something that's exciting to you. And the biggest thing, if you are, you've suffered from abuse, I, I understand. I have been abused. Um, I've experienced every form of abuse by the time I was 10 years old. Uh, and you know, that's, I, I've experienced sexual abuse the whole night. I, I, okay. All of it. If you are, you've been subjected to this stuff. I hear a lot of people say, you know, if you've experienced spiritual abuse, it's okay to step away from the Bible and the church and just take, take a break from it all and come back when you're ready. And I'm going to push back against that a little bit. 
because I don't think it's good to step away from the source of objective morality and objective truth, I, uh, which is God and scripture. I think what you need to do is withdraw yourself from a toxic environment and recognize that it's toxic, but that doesn't represent the whole and start searching mm-hmm. for a healthy environment. Right. And once you, cause here's the thing, when you find a community, a good church, I go to an amazing church right now. It's so supportive of yeah, abusers. They build too. each other up. They're forgiving. Um, they exercise all these things. And when I went there, I was thinking, I was like, you know how much better I would have healed if I came here instead of withdrawing myself. Yeah. Like what if I found a church like this early on, I would have saved myself a lot of heartache. Yeah. And it so a, it took a long time for me to find a good church. Oh yeah. It's hard. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of them that are just seeker friendly, right? That are more about a show than they are about um, scripture. That is others that are, uh, they don't care about anything uh, besides their little traditions and ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find a healthy church. And no church is perfect. But uh, I think some people hide behind that as an excuse to be in a toxic church as well. Oh, no church is perfect. So I'm going to say here, no, learn to recognize if it's toxic and leave. You know, the, uh, and that's coming from the guy who's all about church unity, okay? The church split is about uniting the divided body, but there's things worth dividing over. And yeah. that's fundamentals of the faith and, of course, uh, abuse. Yes. Um, other things is just recognize, it's okay to admit you've been abused. Um, a lot of people don't admit it. And so they, they're scared to admit it. And admit. yeah, and it's okay to admit it. And you know what? I'll encourage you guys to be open about your abuse. If, so, if somebody asks a question, um, don't make it weird. Just be honest. Because once you're honest and open about it, it allows you to cope with it. And then you're honest with yourself about it. And it allows you to come down and go, okay, that's the truth. I don't have to hide from it. And I can accept it. And then you start dealing with it in a healthy way, as opposed to unhealthy methods. Mm-hmm. Um, it becomes part of you and it becomes part of your story. Just like if somebody asks me, what are my hobbies? Well, I like music and I like sci-fi. Well, I've also been abused. This is just a fact about me. It's a fact. It's not something that has to be terrible. It's not something you have to dwell on. So I don't know. These are some things that always come into my mind where I'm like, you know, look. and once you do that, you can bear any other's burdens. They can bear yours or you can help some bear somebody else. Maybe somebody else has been abused. And they really need to confide in you. Well, they will never know if you don't open up. And so I just don't think if you've been abused, you should run away from it. Because here's the other thing. And I'll get off my hobby horse for a second. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that stuck out to me is I'm a huge apologist. I love apologetics. And unfortunately, and that's why I think my channel is laid out the way it is. I lay it out as arguments, as uh, facts and stuff, but I deal more theological topics than going against atheism and some of the other philosophies nowadays. Um, I don't focus on that as much as I'd like. But one of the biggest things in theology, one of the arguments for God's existence that I love is the moral argument. Um, the moral argument simply goes like this. If more uh, objective moral values and duties exist, then God exists. Objective moral, moral values and duties do exist, thereby God exists. And the point is, is we'd all agree that murder is terrible. Yeah. Murder is awful or rape or whatever. These things are awful. But if, we, if there literally is no God... And we are just space accidents, right? If we're just a cosmic accident and I'm not pushing against theistic evolutionists or anything. I don't, I'm talking literally about just life is an accident. Well, then there is no objective moral value. Right. Because now what it is, is that we're just, we're just creatures that are an accident that disagree with each other. 
So when you run away from God and you run away from scripture, you run away from all theism because you're like, oh, theism hurt me. Yeah, a, a branch of theism did, but that was people that hurt you. That's not God that hurt you. Because here's the thing, that thing that you're mad at them for, that abuse you experienced, if God is not real and you subscribe to that, then you just subscribe to your very reason to have objective outrage against the abuse. Mm-hmm. Does, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I can't be mad at my abusers if all, uh, objectively, if they are just space accidents, they're just chromosomes and neurons firing that happened by accident. There's no real creator. I have no justification for my uh, being upset. We were just animals that disagreed. So, yes. um, one of the, so that's one of the biggest philosophical arguments for me when it comes to the existence of God. It's like, well, we know these things are wrong. Well, if we know these things are wrong, then it came from somewhere. If there's a moral law, laws are created. Who would create it? And of course, I'm not even going to get into the other arguments for God's existence. This is just one of them. But uh, so guys, if you are running, it's okay to be hurt and it's okay to need healing, but don't run away from God in the process. It's okay to have questions. Yes. And welcome to questions. And then be okay to go look for them. Uh, a couple of resources I'll go ahead and give you now uh, that I think might be helpful for anyone who is who does have questions. I would highly recommend uh, some of the bigger apologists that people know. Dr. William Lane Craig, he's got endless amounts of stuff about the problem of evil and suffering, which goes into abuse. Uh, Dr. Gary Habermas about the proof of the resurrection for Jesus Christ. And uh, my favorite, I'll give them a plug, is Trinity Radio. I absolutely love Trinity Radio. Uh, They're on YouTube and everything. And also he's the president of my seminary, Braxton Hunter is, and uh, Dr. Jonathan Pritchett there. So totally recommend them. But if you have questions, those places are good places to start looking. And of course, if you have questions, hang out with us at the church split and we'll do our very best to answer them. So if you you would like to follow the church split, go on YouTube, you can subscribe to the church split. You can follow us on audio. We also have a Facebook page and Twitter account, whatever. You can also email us at the church split at gmail.com. And if you have questions, feel free to shoot them our way. We actually do our very best to answer every single person. And that can be daunting, but I there's uh, sometimes I'll just respond back. At, I need time to respond to this. And I will literally write you out like a six paragraph response, oh, breaking down the issue. I will do my best to answer your question thoroughly. And that's because I welcome questions because I was a questioner. Mm-hmm. I had questions and I needed them answered. So I'm trying my very best to make sure we are never quote unquote too big for uh, honest inquiry. And uh, I honestly, we're not that big, um, but it is weird when you got excited about having a hundred subscribers on YouTube and you're over 2000 and not including your audio listeners. It is weird that anyone finds me legitimate to listen to. Like, I'm just going to be honest. I look back now. I'm like, this is weird. It is weird. But seriously, if you guys want to connect, you have questions, feel free. It's okay to ask questions. The whole book of Habakkuk is literally him at questioning God. It's okay to ask questions. That's a great, great minor prophet. I think um, one of the, things i also learned from your um from your show is don't don't stay in your own bubble you know venture outside of your bubble i think you said it today in one of your podcasts i listened to was if you're always around people that agree with you and you don't explore the opposite arguments then you're never going to grow you're never going to be able to have a conversation because you don't know what the other guy believes so that's that's a really um um, that was helpful to me because of course i was in my own bubble for a long time i wouldn't venture outside 
But if you listen to the church split, I'll tell you what, you will, you'll learn so much. You'll be way ahead of uh, a lot of people that don't know how to do uh, what critical thinking skills is lacking quite a bit. And especially the church and the church used to be so intellectual. Like yeah. you look into the history of the church, it was such an intellectual group and we have become intellectually dead and yeah. it saddens me. So I think, you know, listening to your show, you get a lot of critical thinking skills. And again, you, we don't have to agree with you on everything, but we welcome the disagreement. You, you can talk about it in, in a respectful way and it's a safe place. Yeah. So. And interact. That's, and that's the thing, right? Interact with it. I have changed. I've even changed my position since doing the show on some topics. Uh, it's funny. I've listened to some of the old stuff of my own. I'm like, oh, that's funny. Cause I actually shifted my position on that. It's funny. Um, and just, and it's okay to shift positions. It's okay to go, you know, I actually think that makes more sense and just move over there and hang out. See how the waters feel. If the waters end up not being okay, uh, you realize it doesn't work. It's okay. No one's holding a gun to your head, making you hold the position. You can shift and just do what makes sense. And, you know, currently I consider myself like a paleo orthodoxy. I'm a Molinist in my view of God's knowledge and free will. If you know what that means, you're a nerd. Welcome to my community. <laughs> <laughs> if, if not, then come on by and find out. <laughs> yeah. Half the people just, just logged off of her. Yeah, that. Don't know what that was. <laughs> I'm getting out of here. No, uh, really glad that you came on the show. I appreciate it so much. And I'm glad to know you and God bless you and uh, furtherance of your, your podcast and keep in touch, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Maybe we can have you on sometime. That'd be fun because we've talked about abuse on our channel, but we've never talked about healing. And healing is your specialty and how to bring somebody out of that. So exposing is one thing. But once it's exposed, what do you do? And I, and as part of my background, I, I asked Brian's wife recently, I was like, all right, Stacy, I, I know my, one of my biggest flaws is I'm not a patient man. What's the other one? And she goes, empathy. Because of your background, you have become so hardened and so objective, you've become almost apathetic to people's feelings. So you struggle with empathy. Um, mm -hmm. And seeing things from their perspective, you and that's because change. you can learn that, though. Yeah, and so and that's something my wife has helped me a lot with. Actually, I feel like I've gotten a lot better. Uh, I used to, she used to call me a robot <laughs> um, because I'd just be laughing and goofy, or I was super serious. But I never, I was very, I struggled with that. But one of the things is that why I think your thing is so helpful is that it is about empathy. It is about building people up with that, and I think I would have probably hardened myself a lot less if I had access to somebody who opened up and opened it up for me to have a safe space for me to be able to And I, I don't like using the term safe space because that's such a polarized thing anymore, but I think people know what I mean in this context. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that you can't ever be offended. Come to my channel. You'll be offended. Okay. Cause we're probably <laughs> going to talk about things that you disagree with. It's okay. Uh, I don't like the snowflake syndrome, but I am saying that there is a place, part place in town where someone needs to be safe when handling some things. So yeah, maybe we'll have you on here soon. I'll get, I would love, I'll, I'll, to. I would love to have you on and I'd love to promote you because I think what you're doing is important. Awesome. Well, listeners, I hope you enjoyed Will today. We had some fun, some laughs. And as always, I like to end the show as you are no longer a victim. You are victorious. Yes. So 
God bless everybody, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast. If this episode has been helpful to you, please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. You can connect with us at dswministries.org, where you'll find our blog along with our Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel links. Hope to see you next week.